Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. To the crazy train. <laughs> All aboard! Whoa, whoa, Dave. Hey, whoa. Whoa, Dave, Dave I think Dave. you Not just... Not that crazy. Not that crazy. I almost had an aneurysm. You dropped okay. something on the ground there, Dave. Did you want to pick that up? No. No, no. Okay. I'll save that for dinner later. Oh. All right, everyone. We are on the crazy train again. Because anytime we talk about anything Mormon, it seems to go a little crazy. Or is that just us? Are we the... Are we the crazy? Oh, David. <laughs> That's the answer. Did you take your laxatives? <laughs> yes, sir. Like, uh, why did we start it off with crazy train? You want to give us the train synonym parallel? <laughs> Mitch? <laughs> yes. Uh, so Mitch's topic. Bear with so. us here. We're going to jump over some hurdles and through some hoops to make sense of this, just like you do with Mormon doctrine. Oh! Oh, very good there, buddy. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, wow. We're getting on the crazy train, and we're going to be talking about how to train your Mormon. Get it? It's We're training. Uh, it's kind of like that kid's show. How to, well, it's not a kid's show, but oh, okay. how to train Got your it. dragon. How to train your dragon. Yes. We're, we're playing off that, how to train your Mormon. And then since we use the word train... Crazy train with Ozzy coming in. Thanks, everybody, for having patience with our humor. And that wraps up this episode. Yeah, that's all we okay. wanted to talk about. <laughs> Thanks, uh, it was beneficial and useful for you. <laughs> so now that you're, the audience is saying, what the hell are you, you talking about? That's, uh, that's, that's what we're trying to talk about. That's the topic. And the topic really focusing for the bulk of the episode on... What are Mormons trained to do? They're trained to follow what the brethren say in faith above anything else. And that's a very extreme assertion there, Mike. And we'll get into this. We'll really get into how loyalty is the main goal when we're conditioned in the Mormon church. Loyalty above all else, which includes truth. Yes, anyway. that's right. Loyalty above truth. That's actually in, could have been another just that, mundane that title. sums it up right there. And a lot of hands on the back. I don't know how to phrase that. As I was thinking about that idea of loyalty there, notice how the more loyal that you are, you begin to merge into this inner circle of the ultimate loyal people, the ones that, that always say yes when they're asked mm -hmm. to do something, when they're given a calling, yes, 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 of course. Well, and then the hand on the back, <laughs> that a boy, good boy, here's a bone, here you go, here you go, good boy. Nice training putt. a dog, training a Mormon, I don't know. Nice putt, Dave. Exactly. Thank you, David. So, basically... Before we dive too much into that subject, yeah, we're going to be talking about training Mormons like you do training an animal. And we've got some pretty juicy videos and tidbits we're going to share. But before we do that, what do we do first, Mike? We share some of our STDs. No, 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 no. Oh, Whoa. no. Uh, LSDs. Okay, yep. good, guys. Uh, okay. I, it's, remember, remember, they, they, they stayed up pretty late last night getting really high. Uh, you do LDS church in the news. Oh, oh that's right. Here, so let's, let's introduce let backtrack, that. Ready? Backtrack. Backtrack. Ready? The LDS church in the Guns and Roses, huh? Guns and Roses. There we go. <laughs> He's on a roll. Wait, wait, let me grab it. Unplug it! Unplug it! I was looking for the, was looking for the cord. Look at that breath one. control. Amazing. And it comes in handy, by the way. Just nope. saying. I'm just saying. Easy you know, there. That, that, Easy. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks. I, I gave this longing look to Frankie, not in a sexual way, just in a please play the drums way. And he finally did. Two articles out of surprise, surprise. The Salt Lake Tribune today. LDS Church sued for alleged role in Boy Scout sex abuse. That's not true. 
Yes. Alleged. Alleged. Come on. I love how they use the word alleged. There's no sexual abuse in the church. So we've brought up many of these through the podcast. This is not going to be any crazy, speaking of crazy, surprise to listeners. Arizona cases allege Utah-based faith covered up decades of abuse. Decades. Huh. Imagine that. So, here we go. Quick little snippets here. Was hit with several lawsuits Monday for allegedly covering up decades of sexual abuse among Boy Scout troops in Arizona, marking the latest litigation before the state's end-of-year deadline for adult victims to sue. So, this just happened a couple weeks ago, right before the end of the year. The church, quote, must be held accountable in order to bring healing and closure to Mormon victims of childhood sexual abuse. Hurley McKenna and Mertz, a law firm that focuses on church sex abuse, said in a statement. So here we go. In the seven lawsuits, each representing seven different male victims, attorneys say church officials never notified authorities about abuse allegations. There's that trend. Public records show members of church-sponsored Boy Scout troops who were abused would tell church bishops about what they had experienced. And then the bishops would then tell the victims to keep quiet so the church could conduct its own investigation. Especially if it was the bishop who was doing it. That's right. What I find that these articles always get wrong is they paint the church in a really bad light. It's just... (laughs) You know, when going to a bishop, you have to consider the atonement of Christ. Like, they can't just be like, all right, well, let's let's Mm. get them. You got to get the the abuser's chance to repent and come clean. I see. And then if they do, it's like no harm, no foul. So, yeah, you got to tell the victims to shut the hell up. Okay. Here's a scenario. I was abused by a Boy Scout leader who was a Mormon when I was 12, let's say. Now I'm 52 or whatever. And the church is going to have to pay out so many dollars in a lawsuit. Do I feel better now? Is that bringing closure to the abuse that affected me my entire life? Not even close. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. Quick little statistics here. In its first step toward creating a compensation fund, back to your point, Dave, compensation, I think there should be much more than that, for men who were molested as youngsters years ago by scoutmasters or other leaders, the Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy protection in February. Around 90,000 sexual abuse claims have been filed against the Boy Scouts. So think about that for a second. Of the 90,000, how many of those abuse cases do you think happened in the church that was the most actively participating member organization of the Boy Scouts? Oh, no more than 85. Come yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 85,000. Thousand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably close to the truth. So there's that wonderful little and, tidbit. And it actually goes really well with what we're going to be talking about, which we, you know, a lot of these subjects that we dive into often are repeated, rightfully so, because of how serious it is, exactly what we just read. Abuse still happening in the church. Why is it covered up? Because we trust our leaders. We trust to put it in the hands of the church leaders, not, you know, not authorities that should actually be going through this stuff. That's right. There you go. That's it. Yeah, here's our second news article today to add insult to injury, I suppose. LDS missionary from Lehigh killed in car accident. And I add my little subtitle to this, Because God Protects Missionaries. Mm. Well, he had to have been sinning at the time somehow, obviously. Because no missionaries sin. And if they do, they're killed by cars, right? Right. Here's the details. An automobile accident in Rosebud, Arkansas, has taken the life of Jake Smith, 19, of Lehigh. So, he must have just been out, right? Because he was only 19. Smith was serving a mission for the church in the Little Rock, Arkansas mission, according to Sam Penrod, church spokesman. I'm just glad my last name is not Penrod. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but... Hey, Penrod! Bring that pen over here. Ha! Nim, <laughs> Nimrod. Yeah. 
being that pen-sized rod over here. Okay, back to the actual article because the article isn't funny. Uh, four young missionaries of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day were involved in an automobile accident Thursday evening near Rosebud, Arkansas. Tragically, one of those missionaries passed away. Elder Jake Smith, age 19, from Lehigh. Uh, here's the thing. What does the church say? Quote, we pray for all of them. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Great. That'll bring our son back. Thanks. We jest in a way here, but it is a very serious matter. What strikes me as sad is this kind of thing. That's life. First of all, people get in accidents and, and it's very tragic. And so by no means, I don't think we're trying to make fun that someone has passed away. What really strikes me is this idea that even putting aside that God protects his missionaries, you take that out and then you see a tragedy like this happen. What does the church say? We'll pray for thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers at the same time. And what are members thinking as well? Oh, well, he died in the service of the Lord. So we went straight to heaven. Oh, yeah, straight up. Here's the part of the article that pisses me off the most. And again, it goes pretty much in line with our episode today. How do you train your members, right? Including everything, including how to respond to tragedy, including all the topics that we discuss in our podcast. Here's how the Smith family responds, right? Quote, the Smiths were first shocked and in disbelief, but amidst the sadness and grief, it turned into peace and faith. Atwood said, it was a touching thing to hear them share their faith. I felt so lifted up with their expressions of faith. So let's not grieve (laughs) appropriately. Let's not grieve healthily and appropriately for our lost son. Let's switch it over to faith, stop the grieving process, and just point to faith because that's healthy. Yeah, that's. Oh my God! Everyone deals with grief uh, in different ways, and 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 I'll admit, when I was an active Mormon, that's something that I would often bury if I was faced with something like that, with a loved one dying or a friend dying, or even Mm -hmm. a trial. It's faith, right? And and it's commendable to the point where I don't look at that family and be like, "Oh, how dare they not grieve?" I turn it back to the church. I turn it back yeah. to the, this yeah. this crutch of faith. You know, we were shocked at first, but we're supposed to be faithful and and look for the best in this situation. And sometimes, you know what? There's no fucking best way to look at this. Yeah, sometimes no. there is no silver lining. And the death of a young child is one of those cases where there's no silver lining, folks. Let's just be honest. No, there's, there's no good news. And the, the answer that's given quite often, oh, my God, is it irritating. He's in a better place. Yeah, so, what thanks. you're saying is when he was here with us, he was in a shithole. Yeah. But now thanks. he's in a better place. Thank you. Thank you. He wasn't, yes. wasn't in a good place with his family. Thank you, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, it's, it's great. All right. So, after those two lovely LDS Church in the News snippets. Dave, we would like to hear a little bit of For Your your Information. Information that we need. I like that, Mitchell. Thank you. All right. I am five years old. Oh. And it's 1963. August 1st. First presidency statement that Latter-day Saints should not dance with, quote, grotesque contortions of the body, such as shoulder and hip shaking or excessive body body jerking. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my God. That that reminds me. Wait a minute. I know this is a sidetrack, but when I was a a teenager going to a steak dance, Listen, I suck at dancing, but I goof off. And so I was goofing off with my friends, shaking my hips. And a youth leader had to come up to me and ask me to stop and say, you're getting a little too suggestive. And I was not getting suggestive. <laughs> if you would have seen, if you could see me, dan- okay. uh, I, I'm not a good dancer. But it that, just- that, Those so- pulsations with your hips, it really looks like. 
you know. What makes me laugh is that's fucking 1965 that you just had, and we're still we're still there. Do you think, Dave, that it, it came like from? I, I'm trying to remember when Elvis was getting big. It right, was, right, right, around, right, right here. That was his, no. He actually started earlier. Yeah, he, but I mean, like this late. was like his probably peak popularity. Was I think in so. Sixty-three, sixties. Yeah. yeah, and right. I wonder if it came from that type of trend. Right, Elvis is up there, you know, grinding and pumping and. I saw Elvis grinding and pumping, and I had feelings that I had not experienced before. <laughs> Packer, you're not welcome here. If you could please oh, leave. Sorry, I yeah. came out. Get out. I, he came Get out. out. I came prematurely. Get out. <laughs> again. Again. Get out. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Audience. Audience. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Stay behind the curtain. Get the fuck time. off the stage, sorry. pervert. Oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> Anyway, first presidency again. Oh, and the apostles decide to prevent performance of BYU professor Clinton F. Larson's play, The Redeemer, because of its portrayal of Mary Magdalene as the wife of Jesus. (laughs) That's a whole can of worms right there. Yeah, Mm. because everyone knows that Jesus had more than one wife. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Jeez, the precedent started there. Mary, Mary, and Mary had a little lamb, and Mary had more than that going on anyway. <laughs> <I'm> okay. <laughs> it hit a certain nerve, did it? Okay. <laughs> okay, the end of the year, December 23rd. Apostle Joseph Fielding Smith, president of the 12, writes, I'm glad to report to you that it will be some time before... <laughs> Before we hear anything from Brother Ezra Taft Benson, who is now on his way to Great Britain. <laughs> right under the bus, man. Oh, Because of that John Birch. Yeah. 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 And Benson becomes the prophet later. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Loyalty to the brethren. Ooh. I'm glad he won't be around for some time. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. Oh, Home teaching replaces traditional ward teaching program of monthly visits. Yeah, big deal. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, change change the name and you know it's it's a do fresh this, revelation. Do the okay? same old shit and the revelation is just to change the name. Yeah. Doesn't that yeah, sound familiar? It's important. <laughs> Lipstick on a well, pick. Ah. Don't let the batteries run out on your lighted pen. That's my only advice. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's throw this one out there. February 29th, 1964. After 41 years teaching. Oh, this is great. 41 years teaching in CES, Church Educational System. George S. Tanner writes that a large majority of CES teachers are so narrow and ignorant that it is a shame to have them indoctrinating our young people. I would much rather my sons and daughters go to other schools in the state than have them led by these religious fanatics. <laughs> he's, the, he's the head of CES. What the hell? <laughs> Him and I would have gone along great. Oh my God! That's awesome. That <laughs> he is awesome. Would have been there. Oh wow. my, yeah. Religious fanatics. Yeah. Jeez. Do you think about what you just said before you said it? Don't Probably think not. so. One more. April fifteenth. Daryl Chase, Mormon president of Utah State University, confides that the LDS Church has a greater stranglehold on the people and institutions of this state now than they had in Brigham's time. Complete academic freedom is actually non-existent. Wow. Yeah. These are active members saying this shit. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. That's pretty bold. Well, he compared it to Brigham Young. So that does tell me that they were aware of the state of affairs during Brigham's reign. I will call it a reign. It was. Because he... He yeah. called himself a king. Yeah, it was. And, and it oh, was the, the kingdom. And yeah, king. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I wow. got a lot more and we'll just save it for next uh, time. <laughs> every time you share these, I'm just like, okay, when are they going to tone down? When are they going to be not so like surprising or, or like, 
oh my god and, and it just they don't yeah. <laughs> they don't yeah it's still going on it's 1964 and it's going to be about a situation at byu and you will fall off of your chair guaranteed so we'll save it for next well, week i'm looking I'm forward excited. to it i'm looking forward to it i'll put padding pillows and stuff around yeah, my chair yeah, so yeah. He- heads off. up there yeah okay. last time i uh yeah it hurt myself but Anyway, uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks. And <laughs> on that little well, note. Thanks, T. Michael Quinn. I got to throw that out well, there one yes, more time. That's right. D. Michael Quinn. Yes, uh, yes, and yes. I think it's appropriate. Every now and then we ask uh, the audience to show a little appreciation. I think it's appropriate to give it up again for D. Michael Quinn. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Give it up. Yep. Worthy of it all. Give it up. Well done. Yeah. And stop. Wow. Wow. That's some kind of control. Do you have those people? I I, I can't say the word. Go ahead and say it, Dave. Conditioned. No. (laughs) Close. Trained. Trained. Yes. There we go. We have okay. those people trained. On that training note, Mitch and I were talking earlier about a seminary video that we both saw, which is saying something because I'm sure I saw it originally when Mitchell was maybe. Yeah, you probably saw it like 80 years before me. Uh, I'm not Aragorn. I'm not a Numenorian. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Oh, for the geeky people that are our listeners, you'll appreciate that. Maybe. No, one of the Dunedine. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Mitchell was probably in diapers when I saw this. But then again, he was wearing diapers into his no, teens. Hey, I right? told you not to say that. Oh, Mitchell, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this video in seminary. And even if you didn't see the video, some listeners may be aware, Dave, I think you are, uh, you may have seen this or even played it in Gospel Doctrine or something. The whole comparison some of the members of the church or leaders would use of an Arabian horse and how they're trained. Mm -hmm. And these guys would train them so that even if the horse was like dying of thirst, it would obey its master instead of giving in to its instincts or whatever. And so... Here's a little video. So buckle up because the crazy train is about to board. It's about to board here. And again, just to level set and clarify if any clarification is needed, this was, and maybe still is, I don't know, maybe not. This was a seminary video that was shown to all the kids as this is the way to be. Like that, this horse. That's the. I actually remember it vividly, which tells you something yeah, about how it, how it hit you. What gets me yeah. is they're showing this to yeah. impressionable teenage kids. Basically, this idea that obedience and loyalty above is, all else is you know the first law of heaven is obedience. So. Just yeah. buckle up. Mike and I will try to kind of narrate because it's more, there's some narration, but then uh, it's kind of just a, a very uh, visual. It's very visual. And we'll come back post-edit. So by the time you hear this, there'll be just the snippets left that have the talking probably, maybe a little bit, because it's five minutes long, which isn't way long, right? But there's a lot of nah, nah, music in the background and you obviously can't see the video. So anyway, here we go. We're going to start it off. I can't resist. Arabian nights like Arabian days. <laughs> no, Robin Williams, uh, even he has a better accent than this. Okay, here we go. This, here we this. go. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> okay. For our listeners, it shows this the sand dunes in a Arab guy is riding this white stallion, this red Arabian stallion across the across the dunes. My horse is the champion of all steeds. Okay, I'm going to stop there too because <laughs> the church usually did a decent job. My horse is the champion of all steeds. Yeah, they, they, they did a decent job in narration usually. This guy is supposed to be Arab. 
he sounds <laughs> he sounds he sounds more like he's almost Scottish. I don't know what's going on with this accent. My it's as bad as my accent. For hell's sake, stand. <laughs> okay, here we go. Just try not to laugh. Here in the okay. He has proven worthy to survive the harshness of the desert. His strength comes from obeying my every command. Come on, White Arabians born dark must grow light in color before they are ready for the test. Few thirst enough for obedience to become drinkers of the wind. Ta'ala, ta'ala. Ta'ala, ta'ala. I didn't know, or I had forgotten, obviously I knew at one point when I watched the video, I didn't remember, how about that, that Arabian horses, even if they grow up to be these white stallions, they're brown when they're a foal. I didn't remember that. Oh, so, it's symbolism. This is what the church mm, is doing. Dark I don't know. At the beginning. Like Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they shall become white and delightsome. White. Yes. Oh, that too. Hmm. Yeah. So, unfortunately, the Arabian guy, his skin doesn't change during the video but now but it's it, spiritual yeah so. anyway the brown young horse is drinking at this pond and the guy here is come on come here ringing his bell and the horse just looks at him like yeah fuck you <laughs> so and then he's he so drinking. disappointed he's like ah uh, uh, gonna so, have to train this some bitch yeah so that's the beginning here here we go which is translated to fuck you little horse <laughs> So basically what happens in the video is he realizes that he has to train this horse to make him survive, the the master survive in the desert heat. And so every day he comes out and he rings the bell. And the horse at first is reluctant, but then as you, as you watch the video progress, the horse becomes starts learning. It goes to his master, comes over and he feeds him a treat. And, and it's very... Uh, very heartwarming and he has a family and the kids are running out playing with the horse and so it's just this uh kind of sappy seminary video and you see the horse grow into this white beautiful stallion and at that point i think is where we will continue the let's video. see if it picks up from here the dark coat now white and full of wisdom and strength is ready for the final test so now he's nailing a big stake into the desert ground. Uh, Mitch, the term would be staking. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, go ahead. He's, so he's nailing a... Nailing he's, would he's be a nailing nail. a, yeah, that, the desert. He's driving a stake into the ground. Uh, he's, he's nailing, <laughs> he's nailing were, were you mistaken? You were mistaken. <laughs> oh, okay. Davey! Oh. Okay, back to the video. He's driving a stake into the ground, he's and he's going to tie the horse to it. Here we go. <laughs> There's the bell. Come here, horsey. And the horse is coming to him. Okay, I'm going to wrap your reins on this stake here, away from the pond. And I'm going to leave you here, because I love you. to get the fuck out of here. The horse was confused. He wanted water. The sun beat down on the horse's face. It began to thirst and lick its lips. It looked towards the water and needed some sustenance. But Master knew what was better for the horse. Death! The horse tried to eat sand. The master drank water in front of the horse. I never noticed that. I didn't notice that. So here's the horse. Okay, envision this. Here's the horse. It's tied to this stake, not terribly far from the guy's little tent here. Probably, I don't know, 50 feet. And the guy's sitting in front of his tent watching the horse. Like, this is a process over days. And the horse is watching him, and he drinks water in front He's of the horse. He's just sitting there chugging horse. water in front of the horse. <laughs> I didn't know And this guy is either. supposed to be compared to God, a, or uh, i.e. the leaders the of the leaders. church. Yeah. And so it's just like... <laughs> 
Oh, you're suffering. Let me take a drink of water because I'm bad. And I can't help think of a place called Gethsemane where God watched his son bleed from every pore. Oh, I love what Dawkins says about that. Very pleased about it all. Yeah, here we go. He's still watching the horse. Getting pretty thirsty here. Hold on. It's probably been a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's eating dates. In front of the horse. (laughs) He's eating dates. Yeah, here we go. Fuck you, horsey. (laughs) And that was the end of the second day. It is well. Oh! Okay, anyway, keep going. Oh. On the third day, the horse. video yeah the end of the video there so they don't show you what the horse did so the horse because we Dallas. don't know what decision you will make as a youth in the church no, it's but we know location you'll, it's uh, you'll it's, feel like shit if you don't follow the brethren yes it's, it's could, yeah it's basically putting the question into these young minds which we were all there will we choose to mm-hmm. Follow our natural man instincts, or will we listen? How to train your Mormon? <laughs> we're basically this idea that we're fucking animals, that we're being trained to follow the brethren. It is a really Im- profound topic here. This idea, even if you're fucking dying of thirst, that's the lesser desire. You know, any desire of the self, even if that includes survival. Yeah. yeah, the flesh. It's the arm of flesh. It's called just, the arm of flesh. Okay. A natural man, whatever. Just to get yep. another fresh perspective out here, I've asked Spencer, my Mormon, active Mormon friend, to come on stage and explain his view. Uh, Spencer, here you go. Oh, Spencer, uh, thanks for joining us. Did, uh, you're welcome. I'm just uh, curious really quickly before you give your view uh, on yes, this topic. Go ahead. It, were you named after Spencer W. Kimball? Yes, I was. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. Okay. Great. Thanks, Spencer. Uh, I would just like to correct all three of you. Um, that video, it, just like Christ would tell parables, it's a parable. They're not saying we're literal animals. They're just trying to help us understand the importance of obedience for our own protection. Um, all right, Spencer. Thanks. Oh, Get the fuck out of here. Okay. Oh, so it's not to make God happy. It's it's just all for our own good. I see. Oh, so, yeah. Sure. Uh, with that terrible bit that I just tried to do, basically, <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking the same thing of like, oh, you know, Jesus taught through parables. So, this parable of this Arabian horse being trained by its master who loves his horse and drinks in front of his horse and eats in front of his horse, whereas his horse is literally starving and almost dying and to me i'm oh well it's just a parable god god wouldn't do that to me (laughs) and it is it's all about obedience that's where it comes down to loyalty and obedience which it's doctrinally supported by the church the first law of heaven is obedience yeah i had an experience real quick on my mission an older couple i was in the mission office i was a that's where the assistants in mission presidency and whatever was like seven or eight of us in the office wow you're so cool and, you were an ap oh, it, oh man jeez i was on top of the world back then i mean i had my shit together anyway this old guy i i say old he was probably early 50s, maybe 60. He was reading one of the manuals and he just comes out of the room, this back room, almost yelling, I get it! I get it! I understand! It's all about obedience! Oh my God. The president comes running out of his office like, what the fuck? You know? And he's like, yeah, sure. 
like yeah. wow okay i i endorse what you just said but whoa hang on yeah, yeah that that's okay and it's that's funny it's up. funny i i don't want to derail on this and maybe we'll come back to it a little bit at the end but when i was active active you know teaching a lot you and i both taught a lot in callings dave through the years gospel doctrine elders quorum whatever all of the above I got to the point where I was really trying to internalize, heaven forbid, you know, the, t- the Jesus side of the gospel about how it's really a matter of the heart. And I know you and I were on the same page, Dave, when we, we were yeah. teaching at the same time, we'd share these thoughts, that it wasn't about obedience, it was about the heart. And the commandments, etc., were given so that as you followed them, they would hopefully create a pattern inside of you, not external to you which is just obedience right and so, so yeah what's the motivation behind exactly the what's the yeah. motivation and that's what god wants and you probably remember me almost in tears talking with you several times about my feelings uh, on the topic and and that you know i used to god wants your heart and it was okay, all about loyalty right yeah wanting your heart and so I told Mitch, I'm having lunch with this guy who was a friend of mine in the ward where we lived at the time and great guy had, you know, had fun just hanging out and we do lunch. We're on the way home. We've had somehow got on this conversation of that type of thing, why we obey and why we follow God. And, and so I'm leading up to this other almost bearing testimony moment, right? Or sharing together with this other member. And I'm like, you know, it's all about, and I'm about to deliver the final blow of the heart, right? And he interrupts me after I say it's all about, and he's like, obedience. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> failure. Ironically, it's funny to me because I used to do the same thing, Mike. It just reminds me how fucked it is. We're conditioned to think a certain way and act a certain way, and suddenly we're trying to justify even though our logical mind can see it. And we're like, well, I don't think just obeying is a good thing because that seems wrong, doesn't seem right. And so you jump these hoops and you you gaslight yourself into going, well, it's not, it's not about obedience. It's about God preparing us to be able to just do this out of the love of our heart for God. And that's actually what the brethren want you to do. They want you to do it for the love. Here it is for me. And I'll say this really simply. (laughs) The brethren will say, follow God, wake up. They're saying, follow us. That's exactly it. Yeah. And they equate it directly verbatim. They will. Sometimes. They'll say, follow the brethren, which oh, it's God. It's follow God, right? It's and never so God. The, we've never talked about God. that a bunch, right? How they'll start with follow God, follow God. And by the end of the talk, they've transitioned from follow God to follow the brethren as though they're synonymous, right? And we've talked yeah. about that a lot. Which, which they are. They are they in are the church. In the church. It's culture in the church. and in the doctrine. Yeah. yeah. So we we dug a little and we found this talk from nineteen seventy nine from Packer. And this will be one of the few times that I invite him back out onto the stage. I feel like I have to spray COVID level sanitizer every time Packer's been on the stage. <laughs> he just gives me the creeps. He's a he's an old pervert. But yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna have him read some of a talk that he gave back in 1979. I don't need to read it. I remember this talk by heart. It's called Follow the Brethren. Follow the Brethren. I knew yeah. that. So let's, let's, yep. Quoting from memory here. <laughs> Several years ago. Uh, Sorry, uh, wrong talk. <laughs> 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 the University of Brigham. I'm no, sorry. wrong sorry. talk. <laughs> Uh, homosexual oh, no wrong talk oh, here it is, come here on it dude is, here it is in my memory the whole burden of my message can be said in three simple words follow the brethren though i may elaborate labor sorry <coughs> though i may elaborate and attempt to illustrate and emphasize there is a fact that this alarmingly simple fact And in the three words, follow the brethren, rests the most important counsel that I could give you. Well, there you go. So that's the most important counsel that he could give. Follow the brethren. 
Uh, so tacos, yeah. above mm-hmm. above everything else, including and love, God. Uh, hey, Kurt, shut with, the fuck up. Get out of here. Your heart. <laughs> uh, love your neighbor as yourself. No, 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 no. Those are way down the list. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So true. it goes on. It's split into sections, which I think it, we just summarize these sections. And that's really the message of the episode. In Institute... I had the glorious privilege of teaching the class, the living prophets. We'd start with Joseph Smith, and by the end of the semester, we'd be on the the current prophet. And for some reason, I ended up teaching that at least four times. And I quoted from that talk from Elder Smackard every time. Had it memorized, literally, instead of (laughs) Mitchell's version. I literally had that shit memorized and believed every word of it, of course. Yeah, honestly, now that I'm out of the church, it infuriates me. Why we call it How to Train Your Mormon, because it's literally about being conditioned to be loyal over the truth. And you can see it right in the thing that we just read from Elder Packer in 1979. Current members might be like, well, listen, listen, oh, this is Jimmy Stewart for some reason. Listen, the the past, that that was the past. We don't teach that anymore. It's all about Christ, you see. (laughs) It's not. No, it's not. Because the lesson manuals still today teach follow the prophet above everything else. Read that for us. Read that for us, Mitch. We found the current manual, and this is what it says about follow the brethren. The title of this is follow the brethren, ironically. The Mm. first part of it says, The Lord speaks to us through his prophets. God reveals his word to us through his prophets. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ, we are blessed to know that there is a prophet on earth who serves as president of the church. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Easy, Mitch. And that through this prophet, the Lord makes known his mind and will. When the prophet speaks to us in the name of the Lord... He speaks what the Lord would say if he were here. Never mind times when that's happened that we don't want to remember. <laughs> and here comes the kicker. You Here's ready? the kicker. Here, 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 a little further down, I'll keep reading. But this is where I always, if I get into any arguments with any active members, when they say, well, no, no, we don't know when he's speaking as a man. We don't teach that he never leads the church astray because we see history. I've had so many conversations with members that will be like, that's a past teaching that that's not taught anymore. Buckle up for the crazy train. Here we go. Here we go. We also believe all that God has revealed, all that he does now reveal, and we believe that he will yet reveal many great and important things. Blah, 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 blah. Article of faith. Blessing to be the That's article of faith, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. It is a blessing. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting emotional. It is a blessing to be members of the true church and to know that our prophet speaks the will of the Lord for the Lord today. Knowing that the Lord speaks through his prophets reassures us that the Savior lives. There it is. Yeah. Look at that. Equate the prophet to the Savior. The Savior lives and that he loves us and is interested in us. Here we go. Here's the The thing. Current manual. Sentence. Current manual. Current manual. Here we go. The prophet who leads the church will never lead us astray. Bing, bing, bing. It is still taught. Yes. Today, yes, the prophet will not lead us astray when we have countless records and proof the prophets from the past, leaders of the church, up until now, have led the church astray. And the funny thing is, is even the church itself is disavowing yeah throwing them under the bus with this doctrine that they continually teach. Well, the prophet won't lead us astray. Hey, guys. Just scratch Brigham's, uh, <laughs> scratch a lot of Brigham's <laughs> doctrines all the time. Hey, hey you, you want to pass Brigham's me a bigger story. eraser, please? So what about yeah. the members in Brigham's time when they were taught that? Even Joseph Smith. Oh, I say even. Probably the most abused. So when, when Brigham, which yeah. we all know, when Brigham yeah. ordered the Mountain Meadows Massacre, we all know it, except for the church. They know it too, but let's, you know, we won't get off on that. So the members at that time who were being taught this very damaging, very controlling, cultish doctrine that the Lord will never permit the prophet to lead the church astray. And here's Brigham ordering 
very manipulatively to go and attack these other people and to mm-hmm. kill them. Blood atonement, which is was doctrine in Brigham's time. Yep. So whose fault is that? Yeah, the members that partook in that need to be held accountable. But whenever it's brought up, who does the church always try to push away? Well, Brigham Young. You know, he wasn't. He yeah. wasn't. He, yeah. he wasn't really involved in that. He was. Here's how I'd like to wrap up this episode with this continuing tidbits from the Follow the Brethren talk in '79 by Packer. So we heard what was said earlier. Follow the brethren. That's the most important thing he could ever share. He runs through the occasion of the Last Supper with Judas. So as this example of someone who had been misled, wasn't following Jesus, whatever, he goes on, oh my God, I, I just have to share some tidbits here and, and that'll take us probably to the wrap up and we can maybe just share our final thoughts at the end. He says, in the Church of Jesus Christ, understand there is no paid ministry, no professional clergy as is common in other churches. Well, there's that lie that was still being perpetuated. There is no paid ministry. Okay. Well, you're a lying motherfucker. So what else do you have to say? (laughs) More significant even than this is that there is no laity, no lay membership as such. Men are eligible to hold the priesthood and to carry on the ministry of the church. And both men and women serve in many auxiliary capacities. Blah, blah, blah. This comes to men, whether they're (laughs) poor or rich, whatever. Yeah. Bullshit. (laughs) Oh, black black or white. Show me a, show me a poor state president living in the United States. He talks about, we believe a man must be called of God by prophecy, by laying on of hands, the fifth article of faith. In this article of faith lies a significant evidence of the truth of the gospel. I'm interested in the word must. Quote, we believe that a man must be called of God. You know, we do not ordinarily use that word in the church. I question whether a stake president has ever received a directive from the brethren saying, quote, you are hereby ordered and directed that you must do such and such. Rather, I think the spirit of the communication would be, quote, after consideration, it is suggested that blah, 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 which of course by interpretation means blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, many of us will read it as it is written, but we act as though it read something like this, quote, we believe in some circumstances, not usually, inadvertently perhaps, there may have been some inspiration with reference to the call of some men to office, possibly <laughs> possibly maybe to the higher offices of the oh church, but ordinarily it is the natural thought process leading to the appointment of the officials of the church, unquote. He says that's wrong. I can't imagine many other things that are more demonstrative that they are right. (laughs) That's exactly what's happening. (laughs) No God is calling these men. Anyway, so the sections in his talk, which is really kind of sums up our thoughts, I think, on the whole topic, Mm -hmm. where loyalty begins. So, we'll share a little snippet there. Dr. Mazur's experience. Who's that? We'll explain it. The mantle of authority is a topic and then he ends with the test of devotion. There it is. Which reminds me of that Arabian yep. horse thing. The final test of devotion or loyalty. Yeah. So, in the first section here where loyalty begins, he says, some of us suppose that if we were called to a high office in the church immediately, we would be loyal and would show the dedication necessary. We would step forward and valiantly commit ourselves to this service. If you will not be loyal in the small things, you will not be loyal in the large things. So, that's kind of his thought there. Beginning of the mind fuckery. Dr. Mazur's thing, it is not an easy thing to be amenable always to priesthood authority. I recite the experience of the founder of Brigham Young University, Dr. Carl G. Mazur. He had been the headmaster of a school in Dresden, Germany, a man of distinction, a man of high station. In 1856, Brother Mazur and his wife and small son, together with a brother... Schoenfeld and several other converts left Germany bound for Zion. Yeah, because it was really Zion. When they arrived in England, Brother Mazur was surprised to be called on a mission in England. Much to their disappointment, the families were separated and the Schoenfelds continued on to America. While the Mazurs remained in England to fill the call from the church authorities, the proud professor was often required to perform menial tasks to which it in his former station he had never stooped. It was customary among the higher German people that a man of Brother Mazur's standing never should be seen on the street carrying packages, but when the elders were going to the train, they told him to bring them their luggage. Brother Mazur paced the floor of his room, his pride deeply hurt. The idea of carrying the suitcases was almost more than he could stand, and his wife was also deeply hurt and upset to think that he had to do so. Finally, he said, quote, well, they hold the priesthood. They have told me to go, and I will go. 
He surrendered his pride and carried the bags. Trust your leader. <laughs> so, the mantle of authority. Next section. While the men who preside over you in the awards and stakes of the church may seem like very ordinary men, there is something extraordinary about them. They're really good at being pedophiles. Oops, he didn't say that. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was a, <laughs> that, that was a glitch. Slip. It, it is the mantle of priesthood authority and the inspiration of the call which they have answered. Yep. Uh, so even though they're normal men, anything they say, that's from God. So better follow it. I wish you could accompany the general authority sometime on an assignment to recognize a stake. It has been my experience on a number of occasions to assist in these reorganizations. It never fails to be a remarkable experience. Some time ago, late on Sunday night, returning after the reorganization of a stake with Elder Marion G. Romney, we were riding along silently, too weary, I suppose, to be interested in conversation, when he said, quote, boy, this gospel is true. And then he added, quote, you couldn't go through what we have been through in the last 48 hours without knowing that for sure, unquote. I then rehearsed in my mind the events of the previous hours, the interviews we'd held, the decisions made. We had interviewed the priesthood leadership of the stake and invited each of them to make suggestions with reference to a new stake president. Virtually all of them mentioned the same man. They indicated him to be an ideal man for a stake president with appropriate experience, a fine family, sensible and sound, worthy in every way. Near the end of our interviewing with just two or three left, we interviewed this man and we found him equal to all of the estimates that have been made of him during the day. As he left the room at the conclusion of the interview, Brother Romney said, well, what do you think? I answered that it was my feeling we had not seen the new president yet. This confirmed the feelings of Brother Romney, who then said, quote, perhaps we should get some more men in here. It may be that the new president is not among the present priesthood leadership of the stake. Then he said, quote, but suppose we interview the remaining few before we take that course. There was another interview held, as ordinary as all the others, the same questions, same answers, but the conclusion of this interview, Brother Romney said, well, how do you feel? I said, as far as I'm concerned, we can quit interviewing. Well, you know, the men are yeah. called by prophecy is his conclusion there not just men are called because we're tired of interviewing exactly (laughs) exactly like i'm not feeling anything uh yeah this is the guy wink wink uh the test of devotion is his final piece it is in the way we answer the call that we show the measure of our devotion oh my god just that the faith of the members of the church in earlier days was tested many many times because they were absolute idiots and jerks a lot of them (laughs) In a conference report for 1856, we find the following Heber C. Kimball, counselor and the first president, he's speaking, quote, I will present to this congregation the names of those whom we have selected to go on missions. Some are appointed to go to Europe, Australia, and the East Indies, and several will be sent to Las Vegas, Nevada, to the north, and to Fort Supply, wherever that is, to strengthen the settlements there. Such announcements often came as a complete surprise to members of the church sitting in the audience. Because of their faith, I suppose the only question they had on their minds in response to such a call was... When? When shall we go? I doubt it. I doubt that's the only thing that was on their mind. He says, I'm not so sure, but that a similar call made today would call forth the response from many among us. Not when, but why? Why should I go? Why? Why should I go? (laughs) And I would say, good. You should be asking that question. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. God, I... Even in 1979 or 69? 79. I scrolled off the screen. Oh, okay. 79. How dare you ask why? Yeah. Even though that question should be encouraged, in my opinion, if I was still Mormon, I'd be like, asking why actually should encourage your faith to study it out and to figure out for yourself. But no, blind obedience. Do what the brethren say. And it's softened. The doctrine and the teaching, the damaging teaching is still there, obviously, to this day. You go back Brigham's time, even Joseph's time and on earlier days. It wasn't just like, hey, guys, uh, you need to follow the prophets. So I'm going to say this and you'll follow. Brigham threatened. They threatened lives. Oh, yeah. They blackmailed. It wasn't just a teaching. It was abuse. You do what the brethren say. Or it was else. like a king. It was a tyranny. Yeah. Or else. Yeah, yeah so just I, anymore, how you train your Mormon, I guess, in summary, in my mind, is you train them like Pavlov trained dogs, right? Or like the Arabian guy. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't think the thinking's already been done. The brethren are called of God. This is God asking you to do something. Don't even go so far as to look at church history, look at things that have been recorded. None of that matters. All that matters is how you feel, your faith and emotions, and making sure that that aligns with the current leaders and you're good. 
And that's mm-hmm. it. Very well said. Think of the damage not only to those that are called by these brethren that have been called by God, of course, by blind obedience and all that in, is entailed in that. And the yeah, the damage. What about the man that is called to this position and knows that he's not getting inspiration when he's making these calls? Mm-hmm. He knows it. He knows there is no revelation present and keeps doing it for a year, two years, three years. Mm-hmm. What kind yeah. of mind fuckery is going on there? Yeah, it's similar to the mind fuckery of, oh, you don't have a testimony. That's okay. We all started there. Just bear it at the pulpit every fast Sunday until you have one. You know, yeah. this, this philosophy of brainwash yourself, you know, brainwash yourself and just keep saying you believe it until you do. Uh, yeah. Because that's healthy. God. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I guess yeah. my main question, because we have so many more active Mormon listeners, uh, <laughs> my main question, if I were in front of a Mormon congregation, I would ask this question. Are you loyal to the brethren or are you loyal to the truth? Because right now it's obvious that those two cannot be in the same room. No. Nope. And it's always been that way. But now with the age of information, it's so painfully obvious that the information and historical accounts are right at every single one's, every, everyone's fingertips. Mm-hmm. And the truth is there. Look at the simple example of the book of Abraham. It's obvious. Joseph Smith did not translate that book Mm-mm. the way he said he did, literally in his historical accounts. And what's the church doing right now? They're trying so hard to paint a different picture as they've always done. And what are members trained to do? Are they trained to find truth, real truth? Or no. are they trained to be loyal? It has to nothing, the to, do it with nothing to do with truth. It's no. never been no. truth. No. Ever, ever, which is funny. It's never been about truth. It's been about loyalty. That's we right. Need to be loyal to the brethren. If they say it, where's the bell, Dave? <laughs> well, and I'm thinking there of uh, all the other cults too. I you mean, it's just running just through my mind. They're dark. they're all based like that. They're all set up like that. The only thing that mattered to the people in Jonestown, to David Koresh's group, was loyalty. That's right, loyalty. Yeah, and that becomes it. very dangerous very fast. That's right. I don't mean to be redundant, but look at such a thing. And this is just one example out of so many that a lot of us know. The Mountain Meadows Massacre. Oh, yeah. That's such a dangerous, eye-opening example. It's a graphic example. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, you're loyal to the brethren. And you know, the guys standing there, I can imagine, especially after it was over, and they're looking at the dead bodies lying on the ground and what they've just done and maybe looking at each other and that question, right? What the hell have I done? What have I done? And the blood on their hands and clothes and mm-hmm. then quickly their mind goes where it has to go. Well, I answered the call. Yeah. I was loyal, you know, and that's the only place your mind could go if you're not going to go insane, right? Is I, well, I was loyal. This is what God required. What God you know, and anyway, guys, thanks for joining us in this crazy, disturbing train ride. I, 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 I. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for the, the crazy train ride. And to end the podcast episode, I've asked Packer against Michael's wishes. Oh, my God. Here we to go. Come back out and sing oh, Love yeah. It Primary song. Oh, because we might be wondering, well, this doesn't start until you're in gospel doctrine. No, this starts in primary. So Packer's going to uh, alliterate that for us. Packer, come on out here and sing. That beloved song. Just stay at least six feet away from me, please. Yes, it has nothing to nope, do with that's COVID. That's good, Packer. Stay right there. Nothing to do with COVID. <laughs> stay right okay. there. Flies. Here's flies. I'm going to throw you the mic. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here comes the mic, Packer. Catch it. Uh, hit my face. Good catch. All right. <clears throat> Follow the prophet. Follow the prophet. Oh, that's great. Follow yeah. the prophet. Don't go astray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows the way. Okay, that's great. All that's right. enough. All right, that's Thank enough. You. Thanks. Thanks, Packer. So there you have it. Follow the prophet. That 
that's a song that we all sang in, and or is it sung? Sang? Sung? Sung. Sang, sung, sung. We, we, we sung. No, we in, sang it. We have sung it. Yeah, so we sang it. We sang it in primary. Yeah. Follow the prophet. Don't go astray. He knows the way. Not follow God, right? Yeah. The prophet he knows, knows the, the way. way. By the way, we don't know where we're going, but he knows the way to get there. <laughs> So essentially, members members of the church, you are not following anything close to God. You are following men. You, That's right. As always, leading the church. As always, as always. So as crazy as that gets. Thanks, guys, for joining us for the ride. We're gonna jump off the train at this stop here. Coming up. Yeah, I'm gonna. Hi, look, I'm gonna, Randy I'm Rhodes is here. Oh, I'll hey, be Randy, there. what's I'm up? Jump off this crazy train. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.